We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you listen to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. Let me step back for a minute, tired of the gimmicks, see we just focused on winning. Ball in the airline center, we bout to get litty. Luca carrying a torch, Borden jumped up off the porch. How you reckon with his force? Third season in the game, and he a legend by his fourth. Look, after Dirk, now the king of Dallas. Airline serving as the palace. Young team, and it's full of talent. Want revenge, we accept the challenge. Luca carrying a legacy. What it take to be an MVP? Being great, know it cost a fee. Know it really ain't that hard to see hold on wait silence the critics cause they never did it pass out jordan i ain't woke up the city map shooting hot like we straight out the chimney go back to batman i'm calling them drizzy Mo triple doubles i'm waiting on 50 step back smoother you know it's so filthy if i get down on my team gonna lift me Rep the map, step back, overcame the setbacks, starting where we left that. No, we gotta get back, no, we gotta get back. Rep the map, step back, overcame the setbacks, starting where we left that. No, we gotta get back, like, no, we gotta get back. Let me step back for a minute. 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 What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Mavs Step Back Live. I'm your host, Alton Trigg. Uh, the Mavs, they, they beat the Clippers in game one, 113-103, take a 1-0 series lead, and we're just going to jump right into it. Christian, Christian, what's up, man? Hey, sorry I got the the sound going on in the background, getting that out, but let's go, baby. Oh yeah. my god! I, <laughs> I've just been running around screaming that my poor dogs are like, "Why do you keep yelling?" Um, but I mean, what a what a feeling, you know? I think all of us knew that uh, we needed at least one game out of the first two to uh, really have a shot at this, and um, 
you know, you can't really feel much better than the feeling we have right now. And I think the biggest thing for me is when we withstood their, their run. Um, and then, you know, they're late when we were, I believe down three, maybe five, just to see that the team was like, you know, we're okay. We still got this. Yeah. Yeah. That look, this is the first game one win for the Mavs since the, the title year. So it's been a decade since they've won in a game one. So it was great uh, to see the Mavs come out and win 113-103 over the Clippers in game one. Luca, he is he is just amazing. I mean, he, he, he can he kept going exactly, you know, where he left off last year against the Clippers and he got a ton of help in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, stuff that, that he didn't get last year. Even KP was good down the stretch after having a horrible, <laughs> like, 3.5 quarters. Uh, he, he even finished strong. And, you know, there were some really good passes. And Dorian Finney-Smith was absolutely incredible. Uh, I think he was like 6 of 8 from 3 or something like that. Or 5 of 7, something crazy like that. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Brunson, Luca. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr., they they really put this thing away. And uh, as our guy Nick in the chat here noted, the Mavs are now 28-0 and <laughs> this season when uh, they lead after one quarter. Like, it's, it's just incredible how consistent they have been with that stat. You know, when they when they get the lead – they, I mean, they typically play pretty well the rest of the game and end up with the win, and we saw it. There were some tense moments in that fourth quarter uh, when, you know, Rondo, he hit a three. Uh, he came back down and got fouled and hit a free throw. I think the Clippers were up uh, three. I think that was their biggest fourth quarter lead, but it kind of felt like it could uh, potentially slip away. And, man, then Jalen Brunson went to work and kind of saved the day for the Mavs and, yeah, uh, Luca. He he has another triple double. It, it's just all all around, just an amazing win. Uh, they still got work to do. They still got to come back and you know come out with the same energy in game two. But man, I I think this team is motivated. They're not scared at all. I mean, I I could see them uh, winning anytime they're on the floor with this with this Clippers team if they have a healthy Luca. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you mentioned. I mean. Obviously, Dorian, we we said these role players need to hit their shots. And uh, I can't speak highly enough of Brunson when things seem to stagnate. That little hezzy he has is so important to this team. Um, and, you know, this being his first playoff game, he came out early. Uh, you could tell he was a little bit anxious and, you know, wasn't as comfortable. But he settled into the game, uh, really played well. KP, you know, I mean, the biggest frustration, I, I'm just going to briefly touch on it because I want to stay on the high. I think if we were able to box out and get some rebounds, this could have really been a blowout. And um, those second chance points were tough. But I think, you know, the the biggest thing for me is it, it really seemed that this team is up to it. Um and that experience from last year, particularly against the same team, uh, was really important. But, man, Dorian, Tim, 
you know, everyone coming up big. And then, you know, like you mentioned, their KP down the stretch. I think KP will take this game personally, or at least I hope so. And, uh, you know, if he has a big game uh, coming up, I, I really think uh, we, we can do some damage. And, my God, can you imagine if we win both games in L.A. and then we head home to a pack crowd? Man, uh, when they announced that uh, the AAC is going to be close to near uh, – full capacity i was like oh man <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be like chill worthy uh when they come back to dallas because it's been so long the, the last time they were you know they had a crowd as big as they're supposed to have uh for that first home playoff game was last year before the uh the season got suspended when they were playing the nuggets so man that's gonna be crazy it's, it's gonna be crazy I'm, i can't wait for it uh, just touching on the game though a little bit, like it's not just that you know it's not like the Mavs lucked into a win or anything. You know they had some calls go against them in this one, um, some some unfortunate ones. You know mostly early on, but they fought through it, they persevered, uh, and they didn't back down from this Clippers team. They played excellent defense, especially in the fourth quarter, and you know Josh Richardson. He was pretty good in this one. He, he's not going to give you a, a ton of offensive production, but, you know, he was a respectable uh, three of five from the field, and he played great defense all night. And, you know, he just – even if even if guys hit shots over Richardson, it's different than having Seth Curry because Richardson, even if you hit a shot on him, you're going to feel him. You know, he, he's going to be annoying. He's going to be up in your grill. He's going to – uh, make it as hard as humanly possible. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, one of the, I want to touch on this too. One of the bigger keys to this win that I think kind of got overshadowed because I mean, it's easy to when you're in the middle of a game, the heat of the game and everything, but Luca's explosion in the, uh, in, in, in the middle, during the middle of the game, basically made it to where they had, the Clippers had to take, uh, Zubak off the floor. <laughs> and that is huge for the Mavs because uh, Zubak plays like prime Shaq against Dallas more times than not. Uh, and he started out playing in this game really well. And, you know, KP doesn't stand a chance of boxing him out on the boards. And they got so many uh, second and third opportunities. So, uh, you know, having Zubak off the floor, that's what led to that play at the end where Luca got doubled and threw it over to Finney Smith and then Finney Smith threw it to KP coming off the, uh, the corner three line and, uh, and jammed it, <laughs> you know, stuff like that opens up when you have uh Zubak off the floor. So that was, that was really good to see. I, yeah. I think that was a great point. And, um, you know, cause we already struggled on the boards as it is, but you know, zoo can, I mean, he's just a beast down there. He's a great player, but he was played off the floor. And I think one thing that I was really excited about, and I think ultimately, regardless of the offense, like certainly they did miss some shots, especially some outside shots, but we played really good team defense. And really, Maxi, you know, given an extremely tough assignment, but I think he Maxi was fantastic today. Uh, yeah, you know, 
might not show up on the box score. You know, in fact, it won't. Um, but, you know, I was really worried coming off, uh, you know, that, that Achilles soreness or whatever he's got going on. And the fact that he came out, gave everything he had, uh, you know, I, I can't say enough about the way he played. And, you know, man, these role players really stepped up. I'm really nervous about Melly minutes. Um, oh, man. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> yeah, he – I like, I get we have to – you know, you can't play Dorian and Maxi 48 minutes. Um, but it was uh, – it was rough watching Melly out there. And so, you know, I, I, I just think, you know, beyond, beyond some of the, the issues, of course, that's going to happen is playoff basketball. Like you mentioned, the, you know, there was some calls here and there, especially KP got, I think it was in the third quarter. I mean, he was fouled like three straight times. That was pretty obvious and didn't get a call. Um, But that the defense really, at least in my eyes, set the tone of kind of withstanding those um, Clippers pushes and, you know, makes me excited that, you know, we're going to have to play great defense. Um, yeah. And so what were your thoughts about how we played like team? Oh, I loved it, man. It, it you know, it, it very well connected. Now look in the first half, they had a couple of uh, possessions where they were over committing and they weren't, you know, rolling to the next guy fast enough, and it ended up with the the Clippers getting some wide-open shots. But, you know, overall, as the game went along, I thought they did a great job staying connected. Uh, You know, they they kind of – it was kind of one of those things where it's like, you know Paul – I mean, uh, you know Kawhi Leonard is going to get his. Uh, You know Paul George is going to try to get his. And he had a a fantastic second half in this one, too. Uh, He got hot there for a little bit, but – if you can just keep the guys around them contained, you know, you're going to have a chance to win every night because Luke is always going to do his thing. Uh, we said it coming into this series, you know, the biggest the biggest factor for the Mavs is how are their their role players going to shoot the ball? Because you had got, like last year, I've mentioned it so many times, but uh, Kleba last year shot, 37% on the season, and then in that series against the Clippers, he shot 19%, you know. But part of that was because he had such a defensive burden uh, and the Mavs were so uh, shorthanded. You know, they didn't have Jalen Brunson last year. They didn't have uh, Willie Colleystein or, you know, Dwight Powell, you know, guys to take some of the minutes, <laughs> take some of the burden off of him. So he that was more of an exhaustion thing then. Now, this year – and look, Maxie, he he's going to get clowned by all the the national uh, media for you know Kawhi Leonard basically baptizing him in this game. But I mean, how many people would even try to you know contest that? At least he <laughs> at least he got up and went for it. You know, if that was KP or, or somebody else, they probably make a business decision and get out of the way. But Maxie, he tried. He just you know <laughs> he just doesn't have his block uh, shot blocking powers. Uh, that he had before he got COVID. So, yeah, oh, I, I felt bad for, for that. And, you know, I think um, it, it, the effort was evident on that end of the ball, you know, even though Maxie got the, the, you know, was stuck with the bad end of that. But I think that Hardaway charge, even though, you know, it certainly is debatable whether it was a charge, but there certainly was an elbow 
that he got. But I think that was just, that was really an important kind of pivot in the game because they could have really turned that way. And, you know, Timmy's been, you know, getting charges essentially all season. And um, the the thing that I noticed that you mentioned, uh, Josh Richardson off the bench, I think he played a little bit more in rhythm uh, on the offensive end, even though he still had some poor decisions, things like that. But defensively, he was good. And, man, I you know, it's really hard to criticize any of this game just because overall the team played so well and most importantly they stuck together and uh you know we're in oh yeah yeah and look I, I said it I said it before the game started it's so important to set the tone you know last year it, it got off to a rocky start it kind of you know it was kind of the same well, aside from the Mavs getting off to a, in a eighteen to two hole last year in Game One, but you know overall it was kind of the same thing. You know the Mavs they were up by five or something in the third quarter when KP got ejected, uh, and they ended up losing that Game One. And you know it just kind of set a weird tone uh, for the rest of the series for a team that was already shorthanded. So now coming back this year, you go up two spots in the West. You go from seventh to fifth. Uh, you're playing the same team that, you know, clowned you last year and you're healthy, you know, you, you got confidence, you've got experience now. So coming out and setting the tone in game one, uh, it was very, very important. And like you said, they're, they're very much in this series. There's still a long way to go. Uh, more than likely this thing is going to end up going like six or seven games, but you know off to a very good start. I'm very encouraged by uh, what we saw from the Mavs today. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to see, you know, how, how the team adjusts to uh, winning the first game and going into game two, because over the years, (laughs) like I said, it's been a decade since the Mavs have won a game one, you know, they lose game one and then they have to adjust for game two uh, to try to get a win. So I want to see them come out with the same fire, and, you know, not just be satisfied with getting the split in L.A., you know, try to go for that, uh, try to go for that rare 2-0 sweep on the road going back to, to Dallas. So it, it'll be fun. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that that mindset of, you know, we're not satisfied, like we believe we can win and the goal is to win. Like as the players digest in if we lose this series it's a disappointment for us because like you said we can't be satisfied with the split and I think if we were to win game two not just obviously being up 2-0 and having that uh home court with it um but I think you know really uh it's just going to be so important because if we go back home the, the pressure, if we go home 2-0, the pressure is going to be on the Clips even more so than now. And I believe they'll crumble. Yeah, yeah, there is there is a lot of pressure uh, for this Clippers team. The way, you know, a, a team that's never been to the Western Conference Finals, you know, last year, uh, in my opinion, they got lucky against the Mavs because they, they had so many injuries. KP Torres meniscus after he was playing so well against them for for three games and then uh in that second 
round series against the the Nuggets. You know they uh, <laughs> they uh, were up three one and then lost it. So I mean there there's a lot of pressure on this team. And man, what? Let's just play hypothetical here. Like I said, there's a long way to go in this series. It's probably gonna go the distance. But I mean, I'm just you know how I am. You guys know how I am with free agency stuff and pipe dream stuff and all that. What happens with Kawhi Leonard this summer if the Clippers lose in round one after what happened in last year's playoffs? Like, I, that just fascinates me to think about. You know, what if he pulls a Kevin Durant and says, oh, man, you know, Dallas, they can potentially have max cap space this summer. And, you know, I've the Clippers have flopped in the last two playoffs. <laughs> what, if he, what if he decides to join Luka in, in Dallas? I, I mean – could you imagine Kawhi on this team? Like how, I mean, cause even though Maxi played great defense, it felt like Kawhi just couldn't miss. Um, and I just, I couldn't imagine. Cause if you're Kawhi, you lose round one the year before you lose a three, one lead. And then on top of that, you go into the next year saying, where's the upside with this team? Right. We have no assets. We traded away Shea. We traded away all these first-round picks. Our team is basically all older people and veterans trying to, uh, you know, make a get a ring. And they even traded Lou Will with the second rounders attached to it. So you don't even have really the ability to make some moves around the edges. So I just. If they lose round one, I think Kawhi is gone. And that would be just devastating for that franchise because you have no future uh, picks and you're stuck with Paul. Yeah. Yeah, the, the picks are, are gone. You know, they completely leverage their future uh, to, to get that tandem in there. And if he does leave, that's just, you know, they're going to turn into the Clippers of <laughs> of old you know, where they go into the lottery every single year. Because then then you have a guy of Kawhi's status leaving. Nobody even close to his status is going to want to come play for the Clippers uh, after that. And then, you know, you can't, you can't trade any picks or anything to get anybody through a trade. So, look, I'm not going to predict that. But, you know, it, it, given how that series went last year, uh, I would uh, – <laughs> <laughs> I, I I wouldn't be sad to see that happen. I'll put it that way. I'll be respectable. <laughs> but uh, but uh, Brian, what's up? What's up, man? And what do you think after that win? Uh, I mean, hey, everybody's feeling good, right? I I think a lot of what I had in the can, you guys already touched on. I I, I think it is pretty amazing that Luca essentially ran off two people in their starting lineup off the court and Pat Bev and zoo. Um, I think that was like a little, just oh, like, yeah. Like, I mean, the zoo thing was, <laughs> but, but he played off, uh, he bullied Pat Bev off the uh, court. That's, that's amazing. Um, you know, and look, I, and look, it, it, the, the Pat Beverly thing is hilarious because our guy, Kirk Henderson at Mavs Moneyball, he loves to bring up the fact that last year, you know, in last year's playoff series, Pat Bev played for literally 60 seconds, I believe it was, and Luca scored 10 points on, on Pat Bev in 10 seconds. And it started to get off to that 
kind of <laughs> they kind of start for Luca tonight because they had uh, Patrick Beverly guarding him at the beginning, and he was just completely dominating him. Like he had absolutely no shot uh, at stopping Luca, and they that you know they had to they had to change things up. But you know his replacement uh, Rondo hit all three of his three pointers tonight. Which, you know, if he's going to do that all series, that's going to be tough. But I, I kind of blame Mark Cuban uh, for giving him some extra bulletin board material. <laughs> you know, he, he may not miss the rest of the series because of what Cuban said the other day. That was so stupid. So stupid. <laughs> and, and Brian, I'm glad you brought up that point. I, like, completely forgot that Bev was essentially played off the court as well so that was just a great point thanks for yeah for sure and i i guess like for me i it's like it was so cool cool to like have that afternoon game at 3 30 right because that at least now like we're flying high we get to enjoy the rest of the saturday afternoon god forbid if the Mavs would have lost then you know at least we would have been able to have a couple more drinks and then uh drink our sourals away right but uh you know I, i'm gonna i'm gonna tamper my enthusiasm just for a bit because Generally, when the Mavs are really high, they tend to bite us in the ass really hard the next day or the next game, so to speak. So I, I need this team to show me that they can do this consistently because if they just roll over in game two on, uh, I think it's like, what, Tuesday, Monday? Yeah, yeah Tuesday night. Tuesday night at a normal uh, West Coast time, then it's like, okay, well, I have no idea who's going to come out of this series. I mean, originally I have Clippers in six. Uh, just because it's it, based on what they've been able to do all season. And, you know, look, I, I in my predictions, I had Luca winning a game by himself and, you know, Rick winning a game by himself, which I didn't I take account for is you had the combination of Luca and, t- like, teammates winning, like teammates. Like, I had no idea that was even a possibility, but uh, more power to them. I was a little disappointed, in, especially in the first quarter when the Mavs got up like 10. They were, they were about to run the Clippers off the court, and I was just like, oh, my God. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like, where is this team be? Like... Because if you guys remember, um, Dorian had that breakaway dunk, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, did, <laughs> did Rick finally just release the uh, hounds, and we are we just going to run this team off the court? And then, of course, it was only for a good two three minute gap. But I mean, my god, man, if they would just like let them play like a little bit more like free, 
I, I think they could really cause some havoc because the Clippers have no desire to run up and down the court. They want to just play half-court offense. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. No, no, we, uh, the, the Mavs spoiled the Clippers last year. And, you know, the, the Clippers, they, they still remember that series last year where all they had to do uh, was, you know, put all of their focus on Luka. And, Luke, yeah, Luka still got his numbers, but when they passed to other people, when he passed to other people like Maxi and uh, Dorian and Tim Hardaway Jr., more times than not, they didn't make the Clippers pay. And, you know, I've said it all along. The Mavs role players don't have to be perfect this series. They just have to be decent. You know, they have to be decent enough to give Luka a little bit of help because he's going to do his thing. Uh, the fact that they won by 10 today with the offensive game that KP had is, like, super encouraging to me. <laughs> you know, given given how well he played the Clippers uh, last postseason. So, uh, I'm really excited about that. I, you know, if he has a bounce back game next game, I mean, maybe you're looking at the at the Mavs, you know, going up 2-0, uh, sweeping two games on the road. So I don't know, man. I, I, I'm excited about it. Uh, I wasn't happy with KP's offensive performance, but he did make some big plays at the end of this game. Uh, he had a, there was like three seconds on the shot clock uh, when they were up. I can't remember. I think they were up three at the time, and they had a few seconds left on the shot clock. And, man, he sealed uh, Nick Batum under the basket perfectly and turned around, pump fake, got the foul, hit both free throws uh, to put him up five. And it's stuff like that that should give him, in my opinion, a confidence boost going into the, into the next game. I don't see him having another another bad offensive game as bad as what he had in this one. I Like, before the series um... – I felt that Rick is going to win one game just due to his coaching excellence. And he didn't really have to bust out any, you know, specific plays to really show our hand very early. So this was the role. My biggest thing was I thought Rick wins one game and Luca single-handedly wins one game uh, by putting up, you know, 45, 47, something like that. So I still believe Luca will win one game. I still believe Rick won, wins one game. Now, it really comes down to, in my opinion, can KP have, like just go off and win a game himself? Um, or can the role players with a pretty solid uh, KP game win another game? And I think that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, so, you know, I, I uh, appreciate Brian mentioning the – that, you know, the Mavs kind of let us down after a high. I hope Rick can really focus them and that the Clippers are going to come out with 
just off the charts energy attacking us next game. And we got to be able to withstand it. And that's going to be a huge. And see, this is where I think experience comes into play, too, because we, you know they remember what happened last year after Luka hit that, that game-winning buzzer beater in game four to tie the series up at two, and then they turned right around and lost by like 30, 30 or 40 points <laughs> in game five, the game five that, that never happened. Uh, you know, I, I, that I'm sure Rick is going to like, you know, remind them of that like look guys yeah this was a great win but we can't let up any on this team because we saw what happened uh last time and I mean look I said it beforehand uh you know before the series got started you just have a different feel from the Mavs like from a from a confidence standpoint uh you 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 felt it when they played the Clippers throughout the regular season and you didn't get that feeling throughout the regular season last year uh, before they before they even played that first playoff series against them, but you know, ever since that series, you just kind of got the feeling that okay, they're not scared of this team anymore because they realize that they took them to six games while not having all their guys. Uh, I mentioned it before, Montrez Harrell. He hasn't had a great season this year, but he always gave the Mavs fits. Uh, the Mavs always had trouble matching his energy. Uh, they had Lou Williams, who you know ten, tended to uh, give the Mavs trouble as well. So it's a different team. They have a different coach. Instead of Doc Rivers, it's Ty Lue, which you know I think Rick can coach circles around him uh, this entire series. So I mean things are looking up. It's a very it's a very good start. Uh, we won't get you know we won't get ahead of ourselves or anything, but uh, we're going to take it in and you know enjoy this first. Uh, game one win in, in a decade for the Mavs. It was very, very encouraging yeah. to watch. What, were you, did you guys jump out of your chair when uh, KP actually busted out the ball screen and he actually rolled to the basket for a dunk? I, yes. I didn't – I was – I my jaw <laughs> dropped to the floor because I'm pretty sure, like, wasn't Kawhi guarding him on that play too? Yeah, yeah, he was guarding him on that play. And he uh, – Kawhi was on in that play where he uh, – like I mentioned earlier, he was sitting on the three-point line, and Luca passed to Dorian, and then Dorian spun around and uh, found KP diving to the basket, and he dunked over Kawhi too. So that was two plays, you know, <laughs> where it was just like, man, why can't we get more of this from KP on a nightly basis? That was awesome. Well, and that's like the biggest question, right? Is that like a lack of – is that a combination of things where the, the, the Rick is having trouble finding those spots for KP, or is it a lack of – you know, business decision slash entrance. Before he honestly started actually having, uh, I think it was like the last five minutes, he was actually showing a little bit more effort, like on both ends. He was like being aggressive, grabbing the rebounds and stuff like that. For the longest time watching the game, I was like, dude, if you're just out there taking up space, I would rather have Powell out there. If if you're going to just sit there and like have like awful three-point attempts, I really don't see the point, but... Is it just a fact of, like, he's not interested, or Rick's, like, what do you guys think? I think, uh, and Christian, you can chime in on it, too, here in a second, but, I, I mean, I think that uh, it's more of, like, where he's at, you know, where where he's at on the court, because I hate it when they give him the ball on the on the elbow uh, and just let him, he does that little turnaround shot that he likes, and he tries to, to back up his guy, and then, 
you know, if you have a guy like Kawhi Leonard on you, he he did it earlier in the game. You know, they'll <laughs> it's pretty easy for Kawhi to strip uh, KP. But I like it better when they put him in the corner and you know actually do something with it. Don't stuff him in the corner and just forget about him. But you know, if you know that they're going to be doubling Luca, put him in the corner like that and have a guy like Dorian or uh, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. or whoever it is. You know, after he catches the pass from Luca off the double team, be looking for KP every single time because that play where he dunked on Kawhi, you know, coming off the, the sideline, they could have done that like two or three more times in this game, you know, where they completely missed him. <laughs> and it was a bad decision by the whoever it was throwing. Like Josh Richardson missed him one time in the first half. He did the same thing. It would have been a wide-open dunk. So that, that's my take on I had like a conspiracy theory in a sense in that, you know, Rick wants to A, make sure he's healthy uh, for the entirety of the series and throughout the playoffs. But in crunch time and things like that, especially if, you know, like we're fortunate enough to uh, win one, get one early without doing that much and not really show that to where when we need a win, um, whether it be a, you know, a closing game or whatever, he might start using that more frequently cause it's a must win. Um, but again, that's just a, a theory. And I think we get a lot of conspiracy theories with Rick holding things back, but I would like to see, you know, if KP isn't rolling, cause when he, with him and Luca, they're, you know, one of the best tandems in doing that, they just don't do it much. But I, I like to see uh, KP do, you know, when he's trailing a bit more and could get that three from the top of the key. Um, I would like to see a bit more of that, too, because he had that nice one, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, look, Luca and KP, you know, when they're, when they're in some sort of pick action, they're one of the best tandems in the entire league, you know, whether it's pick and roll or pick and pop. You know, whatever it is, when it, when it's those two in that type of action, you know, good things happen. So I would love to see it more. I would love to see more of KP actually setting screens and not slipping them. Uh, because, you know, when he actually sets a screen and rolls, I mean, it's just wide open. <laughs> it's like that play Brian mentioned earlier. When, when that happened, I was just like, where has this been? <laughs> they, could, they could have done that so many other times during the game. They just didn't run it. Yeah, and the thing is, like, although KP's not as strong as other centers, he actually is pretty quick. So when he is rolling, he could get to the rim rather quick. And he does have those, you know, he's tall, has long limbs. Um, so I at least hope that my theory's right and that Rick's kind of holding it back. And when we really need a bucket and things like that, or, you know, maybe to get KP um, – involved or motivated whatever it may be pull that out but you know i and look, kp has and look, and look I, i'm optimistic about about kp uh having a, a better a better overall game in game two than what he had in this one now i don't know i don't know about you know if dorian finney smith can shoot as as good from three as he did in this one but hey i mean ever since he had his kid uh, he has just been absolutely on fire. Uh, this is not like if people watching Mavs Clippers were just like, oh, man, who is this Dorian Finney-Smith guy? You know, they weren't watching the, the second half of the season because he has been 
he's been incredible the entire second half, you know, since that happened. And he's confident too, man. I mean, he's not even thinking about it when he gets the ball. He just, he's letting it rip and, you know, it's going through for him. But look, Jalen Brunson, he was amazing in this game. I I touched on it a little bit earlier, but, uh, you know, JB, he finished with, let me see here. How many points did he have? He had 15 points in 21 minutes, four of seven from the field, uh, hit seven of his eight free throws, hit some really uh, four straight clutch free throws uh, down the stretch to seal that one. Man, how great was it to finally have a guy who can create his own shot driving to the basket? You know, uh, it's just it's really something that the Mavs miss, that secondary uh, consistent creator, you know, strong guy going to the basket can finish uh, with and ones. You know, they could have really used him in last year's series, but I'm glad that he's healthy this year and they have him for this one because that's something the Clippers haven't been used to when playing this Mavs team. And it was great to see uh, Jalen Brunson have a, a very positive uh, NBA playoff debut. I mean, and you have to give him credit. Like those two and ones he got back to back, didn't he do both of those on Paul George? Yeah, yeah, it was on Paul George. Yeah, and I I don't know if you guys have mentioned Paul George yet, but like, is is it like the playoff P thing just in his head at this point? Because especially in the first quarter, man, those shots were just so flat. Yeah, I, I was surprised that he came out in the second half how he did because he. He really balled out in the second half, um, and I thought as soon as that uh, bad first half he had, I was like, all right, he's in his head, this and that, you know, I, and I thought he was going to be poor the rest of the game. But I think, you know, and that's why I think our fans are going to be so important because when he has that, you know, off the backboard three-pointer early and the fans are just letting him hear it all game, I don't think he'll be able to rebound in the second. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know. It's it's crazy with Paul George because he is so good during the regular season. And then every time the playoffs rolls around, he just – I mean, it has to be mental at this point. Uh, but, you know, like you said, he turned it on in the second half. He ended up with uh, 23 points, I believe, 8 of 18 from the field. So he ended up with a respectable uh, line there, respectful line there. Uh, but, you know, it was at the point to where I was saying, <laughs> you know, if this continues, uh, if, if neither Paul George or KP ends up, uh, you know, breaking out, we're going to have to do the, the Spider-Man meme, you know, where they're pointing at each other. We're going to have to do that for KP and Paul George because <laughs> neither one should <laughs> <laughs> and the the craziest thing is in Indiana, he was a baller in the playoffs. Like he carried what Roy Hibbert, uh, injured Danny Granger, and you know some of the other guys to the conference finals. And you know they actually had a shot to beat LeBron a couple of those times. So you know he he did have I think David West at the time, but uh, it's it's just crazy to see how someone with such a high performer being the lead guy, uh, even in the playoffs. And now, you know, and that's what I kept saying that 
the season he had, he was like motivated, ready to go. And I thought he was going to be a killer in the playoffs. And who knows? He still might. He had a great second half. And, uh, you know, maybe that continues to next game. But I think that, you know, Pandemic P was trending within two minutes of the game starting. <laughs> Yeah. They they didn't waste any time jumping on him. It's like all of NBA Twitter, they're just waiting, you know, for that moment they can jump on him. And, you know, it, it's really not fair uh, that he takes, uh, you know, the heat that he does because uh, people can get kind of ruthless. But, I mean, it is it is a fact. You know, he just – he doesn't perform as well in the postseason as he, as he does in regular season for whatever reason. Uh, now, I, I see in the chat here – I'm kind of catching up with uh, with some of this stuff. Somebody mentioned that uh, Melly had some uh, big offensive rebounds. That is true. He he had a he had a couple of good moments in there. But early on, you know, his early minutes uh, when he was in there, he was like a negative six or a negative seven in just like a couple of minutes, and it was just like, man, <laughs> please get this guy off the court. Uh, Kirk uh, Kirk Henderson. He calls uh, Melly my my cousin. My European cousin, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have the same facial hair and everything. But uh, you know, cousin or not, I was just like, man, get the sky off the floor. <laughs> were you Were you guys surprised that Rick went maxi starting, especially like at the the last month of Powell, like as well as he's played? I I was really surprised they went maxi. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I I was kind of surprised by it just because you know maxi. As as long as he's been off, and you know, as well as uh, KP and uh, Dwight Powell had been playing together lately, despite their defense together being awful, uh, I was kind of surprised that he got the start in this one. But I mean, as well as he, I guess it's kind of the same thing I, I mentioned with Josh Richardson earlier. Even if Kawhi Leonard gets his numbers uh, against Maxi, Maxi's still going to make it really hard on him. You know, he, he was only 9 of 22 from the field in this one. He ended up with 26 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, but he was 9 of 22. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of that had to do with, with Maxie's defense. So, uh, yeah, I was surprised that he got the start, but I'm glad that he had the, you know, the defensive performance that he had given how bad he's looked defensively uh, for the last two weeks of the season. Yeah, I think that rest was so important to him, and – I was a little bit surprised that uh, Maxi did get the start. I think I was surprised more so that Dwight didn't end up playing basically the entire first half. Um, so that's what I was surprised about. I thought they would try to do uh, a bit more the pick and roll using that lob threat. Uh, we really didn't have many uh, today. And the Clippers... Um, uh, reading Itzok's piece was the Clippers really struggle in that pick and roll, but it seems that they really, uh, really focused on that because they know how good Luca is in the pick and roll. But um, you know, Maxi, I'm surprised, Dalton, after you read those numbers, because at least in the first half, it felt like Kawhi just did not miss a shot. Um, good D or not, he was just knocking them down. And I was like, man, um, you know, like a lot of people uh, mentioned jokingly was, you know, let Kawhi and Luka play one-on-one to decide the series. And it was kind of feeling like that in the first (laughs) half. Yeah, Kawhi is impossible, man. Uh, 
you know, he kind of, like I said, Maxie kind of wore him down a little bit uh, throughout the course of the game. But, you know, in that first half, he just, he could not miss. Uh, his mid-range is killer. Uh, he had, like, like I said, he, he had that one dunk that nearly ended Maxie altogether. Like he made you think he was out for the series. It was such a, such a huge dunk. But, uh, I mean, he played really well uh, yeah. against, against Kawhi. Kawhi, and- he, Kawhi is an all-time great, y'all. I mean, he he's going to get his. There's there's no doubt about it. But overall, uh, I think they weathered the storm well, and they got enough help. You know, aside from Luca just going nuts, they got enough help around the edges to uh, to win comfortably in Game One. It was a great feeling. It's a rare feeling. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say I think one of the biggest things, and I forgot to mention it when I was, I just you know blanked out. But I think one of the biggest biggest differences this season is Luca's mid-range game like how many just important mid-range shots did he hit today off of one foot a la Dirk yeah that makes me you know I think it fills every Mavs heart full of joy uh seeing that shot but it's just and it's such a pretty stroke he's so good at it now he's really added that to his arsenal and you know in the regular season mid-range shots aren't you know really a part of the game with analytics but when it comes to the playoffs mid-range shots are so important and uh, I think it was really so instrumental to this win that mid-range shot that Lucas added because he's so much better at it than he was last year Um, and I think that's something that we can yeah, and I mean he he showed it from the very beginning of the season because uh you know that the first win of the season was that 51 point win against the Clippers. And I remember in that game it was the first time we saw it, you know, he he had Paul George in the post and he did a little spin around off one foot, you know, identical to what we've seen from Dirk so many times. Uh and it went in, and from that point, it was just like, okay, well, did he did he like really work on this during the off season? Is this going to stay? And sure enough, he was consistent with it all season long. I think he shot over fifty percent or close to fifty percent from a uh, from mid range for the season. Uh, so I mean, it, yeah, it's here to stay. Like you said, it's it's instrumental in you know getting big playoff wins. You have to have that kind of uh, that kind of shot in your tool bag you know, to, to advance. So it's great that he has it now. Uh, and like I said, if we can just get KP to just not be terrible offensively, if he can just be decent, <laughs> he, he, I'm at the point now to where I'm just like, you know, he doesn't even have to be true secondary star material at this point. If he will just be decent, if he will be Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, Dorian Finney-Smith level, role player which all those guys are great but you know if he can just be like that the Mavs will be in good shape yeah I think it's like almost a runny joke at this point because when I finally switched over to the game and saw it's live on tv the first play of course was KP turning it over I was like oh this is an auspicious start we're off to just like great love to see that and I I know you guys had mentioned like the way they're positioning KP like I don't know why he just has this desire to try to create for himself the top of the key. If he would just move a little bit around, like in the corner, I think Chris had touched base on like 
the fact that if he could actually get some corner actions, because if you look at his shot chart this year for as far as his corner threes, I think he's only made, he hasn't taken a bunch, but he's pretty, it's a pretty, uh, I want to say it's like an 85 to 90 cent percentile, like he's shooting there. And if anything, that could create more of that uh, screen roll action, if anything, because when he's trying to create on the top of the key, it's just like, oh, God, like you're either going to try to turn it over or you're going to try to create some terrible step back shot, which you shouldn't be taking. And that was against Kawhi, too. I just yeah. I almost <laughs> lost my mind. Like, it's a horrible, you know, thing that he does anyways. But at least, you know, if it's Reggie Jackson or someone like that, at least I can make sense of it. But you're going to try to dribble left on Kawhi like that. That made no, no sense. No. Like you said, you, you really don't want to see him do it that often anyway. But if it's against Kawhi, then that's pretty much a guaranteed turnover, at least in my mind. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're right, Brian. I, uh, I wish they'd you know, get away from that a little bit. I don't know if it's KP thinking he has to do that or if, if it's a Rick thing. I, I'm really not sure. I, I, I like to think that it's more of a KP thing, though. Uh, but man, if he could just play within the flow of the offense and, you know, cut when he needs to cut, just, you know, stay fully engaged to what everybody's doing around him. We saw it towards the end of that game. He can be a difference maker and, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't excellent defensively tonight, but he was a lot better defensively overall than what we saw towards the end of the season or, or really through the season altogether. And, you know, that was my theory from the start was that, you know, he was kind of scared of getting hurt before the postseason and wasn't going a hundred percent, uh, and was saving it for the, for the playoffs. Cause he didn't want to get hurt before the playoffs. So, I mean, it, like I said, he wasn't perfect, but he had some moments in this one where it was like, okay, okay. You know, he's, he's moving better laterally than what we've seen recently. So what do y'all think about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I thought he definitely, uh, looked quite a bit better defensively I think because I agree I I thought he was kind of holding off you know make sure you get into the playoffs healthy make sure that we aren't in the play-in so we have that rest like I think that rest was just so so important for this team Um, and I think when it comes down to it like to be honest when I believe it was the first shot of the game the, you know, Luca assist to KP, he took that mid-range shot and it went in. My whole thought process is, this is the start I wanted. You know, I think uh, KP is going to have a good game. But really, I mean, Kawhi just took him out of it. But during those times, you know, where his offense isn't going, he needs to play really well on defense and really fight for boards because that's what gets him going when he's uh, slumping. Yeah, and that's a great point, Christian, because if you go back towards the end of the fourth quarter when he was actually blocking out and being aggressive to the defensive rebounds, I I felt like that helped him uh, towards the end, especially when he was getting fouled and, you know, Luca was setting – or Dorian was setting him up for those baskets. It's just like those little things, it would just help him out so much. Now, the the thing is to look at game two, so KP – did all this pretty much with Zoo off the floor the entire game, right? So the, are you going to be able to have that same energy and effort when that big uh, bulbous 
like center is on the floor that that's been giving like the Mavs and KP trouble all season. Now, if maybe the, the Mavs really have just identified a mismatch where they just run zoo off the floor and maybe that's like an opportunity where KP excels. Now, I, I, I don't know if I expect KP to go crazy when zoo's on the floor, just because KP doesn't really have any interest in uh, messing with that. I mean, I don't blame him. Zoo's a bad man. I think he, uh, had a couple of dunks where he baptized KP a couple of times. I was like, Oh God, what's, what's this going to happen? But you know, cause you know, uh, the, uh, Valachunas, that's been like those types always give the Mavs and KP trouble, um, overall this season anyway. So maybe it's just an opportunity where Rick is like, okay, we got to get Zoo off the floor. So that way we can get KP going. Well, guys, look, Brian, Christian, I appreciate y'all joining me for this one. Uh, it's it's been fun. Yeah, I mean, we're, we need to we need to relish in this. We need to uh, enjoy the first game one victory the Mavs have had in ten years. So <laughs> wonderful and time. We get yeah. two days yeah. to enjoy. Yes, yeah. yeah, two days. And look, that's <laughs> big. That's really big too because I mentioned it before this game got started. Everybody was wondering how Luca would play. Uh, you know, coming off of uh, the end of the season stretch where he looked kind of sluggish, and I was like, look. Last time he got rest, like a couple days rest, he went for 30, 20, and 10 against the Wizards. And sure enough, he had another uh, classic Luka playoff performance today. And we get to do it all over again on Tuesday. So, guys, I appreciate it. Thanks for joining another episode of Mavs Step Back Live. Be sure to go over to our buddy Kirk Henderson's uh, Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy Room, uh, which I'm pretty sure he's already started because my room number is going down drastically, which is usually the case. So uh, you guys enjoy that. Y'all have a great rest of your weekend, and we will see you next time. Thanks, Dalton. Appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, thank you, guys. Yes, sir. Y'all have a great one. Let me step back for a minute. Let me step back for a minute. Let me step back for a minute. Let me step back for a minute Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.